Are you blessed? Yes. All right, I am blessed too. So I am really privileged to be with you this morning here. And um, we had a wonderful first service. And so I believe God is gonna do something also in this service. So let's just open our hearts. Father, we wanna thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is life and it is light into our spirits. And Lord, we ask you and invite you, Holy Spirit, to highlight in our lives that which you want to do in us today. We thank you that you are interested in every single one of us as an individual, but also as a collective body. And so we give you all the honour and the glory this morning for that which you are going to do in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I preached a message and I will do the same message again. Uh, and I wanna talk to you about a very well-known passage of Scripture and it's about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, we've all heard that Scripture many, many times. Is it true? Yes. And you've probably heard 5,000 sermons. Well, today you're gonna hear another sermon on it. And I pray that your heart be open to hear what the Lord is saying. And if you have your Bible with you, open it with you to Mark chapter 6. And um, because of time, I'm just going to read it quite quickly because I realize that there's another service after this as well. So I want to get to my main points. Mark chapter 6 from verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to them all they had done and taught. So the apostles have just come back from their ministry trip just like you and I do, and we then give a report about what's happening. So it's no different. They're telling Jesus everything that happened. So they've seen miracles. They've seen things happen. So they are used to the power of God, and they're used to seeing what Jesus is doing. Then because many people... Uh, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not have time or a chance to eat. So Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them and ran on foot to get from the towns and the villages ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many, many things. By this time, it was already late in the day. So his disciples came to him and said to him, this is a remote place and it is already very late. Send some people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months wages of a man. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? I think that was Judas that said that. How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have them, all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of fifties and hundreds and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking towards heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He then gave it to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who were eaten that day were 5,000. 
Now we see this as an amazing miracle of Jesus, isn't it? We read it and we see how a miracle of multiplication happens. And one thing we must realize that when we're in the kingdom of God, God is in the business of multiplication, not addition. Why? Because one plus one equals two. Now I know it's early for maths, but stay with me. One plus one equals two, two plus two equals four, but four plus four equals eight, but four times four equals 16. You with me? If you don't believe me, take out your calculator and check. And God is not interested in just adding. He's interested in multiplying Himself in you and I. He's interested in His Word being multiplied through us so that the nations will know who Jesus is. And so God is busy, ready to multiply. And here we're in this situation where the apostles have come back from their ministry trip. They're explaining to Jesus everything that's happened. And now Jesus says to them, okay, guys, I know you've been working hard. You haven't eaten. And I don't know about you, but men that haven't eaten sometimes are very grumpy. It's fact. True? Yes. And so he says, come away with me. Let's go somewhere where you can have some peace and quiet. And so I think the disciples are thinking, man, this is great. We've been on this ministry trip. We're tired. Now Jesus is sending us away just to get a bit of rest. Something they wanted to do. And all of a sudden, something happens. The people begin to see that they're heading off to that side of the lake. And they begin to run to get there on foot ahead of them. Why? Because they were so hungry for what they had seen Jesus do. They were so compelled to get to that place in the presence of where Jesus was and where His disciples were. And so they ran ahead on foot and they got there before. And I don't think that when the disciples got to that place where Jesus told them to park up their boat, I don't think they jumped out of the boat and said, well, hallelujah, guys, I'm so happy to see you. The Bible said they were tired. The Bible said they hadn't had time to rest. And now all of a sudden, these hungry people wanting to be close to Jesus have run ahead and are encroaching on their private time. They didn't like it. And so now all of a sudden they're getting a bit grumpy. You know, can you not just leave us alone? Can you not just let us have five minutes peace and quiet? And the Bible says that when Jesus saw these people, He had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And when we look at our cities today and we look at our nations and we see what's happening in the world today, the world is getting worse by the minute. And those people that we minister to and those people that we come in contact to, they are just like sheep with no shepherd. They have no direction and everything is bombarded at them and they don't understand that there's a God who loves them, who wants to give them a a cover like a shepherd does with his sheep. The Bible says Jesus has compassion. Now the Bible says that there were 5,000 men. So how can Jesus have compassion for 5,000 men? Because every man probably had a different need. Just like in this place, every person here needs a different level of compassion. Would you say so? Because we're not all just identical. So Jesus says, 
I've got compassion because they're sheep like a, without a shepherd. So let me mention to you maybe five areas of compassion that Jesus could have seen in that crowd. And these five areas of compassion, you and I need to reach out to as well. The first thing we see is the compassion of human compassion. That means they saw, Jesus saw them as men and women. He saw them just like you and me. He saw them as people with their difficulties, with their uh, hurts, with their pains. He came to them on a human level. He came to them on the level where they were at. And sometimes when we go and we minister to people, we forget that we need to reach people where they're at. We need to reach them where their pain is, where their hurt is, where their life is right now. So Jesus had compassion on a human level. The second type of compassion that Jesus had was He had compassion of understanding. He had understanding for the needs of those people right there. He had understanding to say, you know what? I know that you hurt. I see your pain. I I understand your pain. Let me understand why you're in that situation. And if we want to reach people, we're going to have to have the understanding of compassion. We're going to have to understand and get to know people, why they are the way they are, why they feel the way they are, to show interest in their situation. But so many times, and it happens in the church, we walk into the church, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. And you're not fine at all. True? Why? Because we've never learned to understand people's pain. We've never learned to understand and to reach people with an understanding of where they are. Then Jesus shows them the compassion of recognition. I acknowledge who you are. I understand who you are. I want to help who you are. And He gives them the recognition for who they are. And we need to start to recognise people for who God has made them to be. Sometimes we do it and we don't even do it intentionally, but we put people in different categories. Oh, those are the people that live on the street. Those are the drug addicts. Those are the prostitutes. Those are the rich people. Those are the poor people. Isn't it true? And we categorise these people and we already put them in a box of our own understanding. Maybe not here in Singapore. But in other places of the world, people don't give others the recognition that they deserve. Many people are in situations because of life circumstances, not because they chose it. And then the the next type of compassion that we see is the compassion of truth. Jesus was always speaking truth. And sometimes we have to have that same compassion to be able to help each other to walk in a life of truth. To be able to say to each other in love, you know what brother, what you're doing right now is a little bit gray area. Why don't you seek God? Why don't you change your ways? But we're too scared to offend each other. We're too scared to address sin for sin. We've become a people that would rather compromise than allow things to, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking in general, the church has allowed compromise and we've stopped 
preaching the solid Word of God. And so we've got to the stage where we're too afraid to confront somebody else's sin because many times we're busy dealing with the own secret sin of our own lives. And it's time we get to that place where the compassion of the heart of Jesus in us brings us to that place of speaking truth and love to help one another. The Bible says that we are our brother's keeper. How shall I keep my brother if I don't understand and have compassion to bring him into a place of truth? And then the last point of, of, of compassion that we see that Jesus has was when he saw these 5,000 men, he had the compassion of possibility. Jesus saw where these guys could go. He saw that with the right understanding and with the right direction, he saw all the possibility and potential for these men to reach something in him. And how many times do we see the potential of God in others? Because we're so busy building our own gifting that we forget to see that God has anointed and gifted others and to have that compassion to build into that potential that they have. We need to do it with our young people. We need to show our young people that God has got a way for them, that God has got a potential for them. But you and I need to be the people like Jesus that see all of these things in the people that we meet. Whether it's in the workplace, in the school place, in the, in the universities, wherever God has you at the marketplace, that's where you need to show Jesus. Amen. Because if you don't show Jesus, who will? The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It doesn't say come into all the church and hear the gospel. And so what God is saying to us, just as these, with these 5,000, you need to start investing. You need to start seeing your city with the potential through the eyes of God. You need to see the lost souls as souls being saved and, and hungry for the things of God. So the disciples we're not very impressed that these 5,000 men just arrived and invaded their privacy. Sometimes we're just like those disciples. When somebody needs our help, when somebody needs our attention, well, it's just not convenient right now. Can you not come back tomorrow? Or could you not find somebody else? Or you know what? It's just not convenient. Is it true? Amen? A few of you, the rest of you have to repent for lying afterwards. <laughs> Sometimes doing the work of God is not convenient. And this is what these disciples were beginning to learn. And so Jesus has this compassion and he tells the guys to sit down. Now, I don't think the disciples were very happy about this either because they knew Jesus was an evangelist. And we know how long evangelists can preach. They knew this is gonna be a long afternoon. This is not gonna be something short. When Jesus tells the people, sit down, this is not just a short briefing. This is gonna be a life lesson. And the disciples now decide they need to do something about this to get back to what originally was supposed to happen, their rest. 
They were more interested and concerned about how they felt than those 5,000 men that were ready to be embraced and impacted by Jesus. And how many times are we so interested in what fits me, what's about me, than we are about reaching out of a lost and needy generation and bringing them to Jesus. And so he sits them down. And now the disciples get their plan together. How are we going to stop and change and maybe shorten what Jesus is doing? So maybe they had their discussion among themselves. You know what? Let's tell Jesus that we're really concerned because it's getting very late and there's nowhere here for anybody to go and eat anything. So let's tell Jesus we're very concerned. He needs to send them away. Oh, so they come to Jesus with their false humility. And how often we can be so spiritual and yet behind our spirituality, we have a different agenda. Behind our spiritual agenda, we, we get to the place where we have something different in mind, but we use all the spiritual terms. Oh, Jesus. You know, Lord, we're very concerned. These guys, they need to go get something to eat in the villages because it's getting very late. And you know, it's not good for them to travel back at night. And we make every excuse not to do what Jesus is doing and be part of what He's doing. And so they come to Jesus. And Jesus is so straightforward. He turns to them and He says, oh, that, you know, maybe He says to them, well, you're good for noticing but now you give them something to eat. So their whole concept of Jesus sending the people away has now turned back to the responsibility of feeding these people is now with you. And the responsibility of feeding our nation and our generation lies with you and me. Because if we don't feed them with the Word of God, they will be fed by every other media source of bad influence. And so Jesus says, you feed them. Oh, but we don't have anything. I don't have it, Lord. We don't have it. You saw there were no snacks in the boat. How are we going to do this? This is an impossible situation. And Jesus then says to them, you go and find, go and look. And so they go off and they're not very happy about the situation. Now Jesus has told us to go, where are we gonna find food? Oh, over there, there's a small boy with five loaves and two fish. Let's go there. So they get the five loaves and the two fish. Now remember, he's a small boy. The loaves are not this big, yeah? And the fish are not like what you catch. They were small. No mother gives a boy five big loaves and five huge, uh, two huge fish for lunch, or? True? So it was small. So they go back with what they have, hoping that Jesus will say, if that's all there is, then maybe we need to send them away. And sometimes we get to the place where we know God is speaking to us and we know God is asking us to do something and we try to find a way to get out of it by presenting to Jesus half a heart. Lord, it's, my heart's not big enough or what you've given me is not big enough or it's just not gonna fit. And we go to Jesus, well here, this is all I have, Lord, hoping that Jesus will say, actually, you're right, it's not enough. 
But remember I said, God is the God of multiplication. And so when they came to Jesus with this bit, very interesting, Jesus did not turn them away. He embraced what they gave Him. Jesus took from them what they gave Him. Why? Because every time we come to Jesus and we give Him something, He will always take it and in His power, He will do something with that in our lives. The question is, do you get to that place to be able to give your heart to Jesus and everything that you have? And so here they are. Jesus, we've got the five loaves and the two fish. He takes it. And then Jesus does something very interesting. He prays. Now, why did Jesus pray? I mean, He was Jesus. He could have just said, bread be multiplied. He could have just said, fish fall from heaven. Why did Jesus pray? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, He was the God of miracles. But He takes that, what the disciples gave Him, and He prays. Now let me tell you why I think Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed because He always included the Father with what He did. And the moment He includes the Father and He prays, you know what He does? He embraces all of the capacity of heaven. That means everything that heaven has for us at that moment where we take it and we give it to Jesus and we pray, we invite the power of all of heaven to bring us to that place where multiplication can happen. Where it's no longer about my strength, where it's no longer about what I can do, but it's what the Holy Spirit takes and multiplies and does in and through us. And so this is why Jesus prayed, not because He was not capable, but because He understand the principle of involving the Father in everything He does. And that's why it's so important for us to have a prayer life. That's why it's so important that we understand what the Word of God says. That's why it's so important that when we live our lives as Christians, we say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, make known to me the plan of the Father so that heaven can invade earth, so that my life can count for somebody else, so that I can touch somebody else, that they might be touched with the power of heaven. Because that's where the lasting results happen. And so he takes that and he prays. And then the miracle still hasn't happened. Why did the miracle not happen after Jesus prayed? I mean, it could have happened before he prayed, but now he's prayed and there's still no miracle. The disciples are still in the same situation. They have 5,000 men in front of them. They have now the five loaves that are no longer whole loaves because Jesus has broken it. So they're dealing with something even smaller and they're sitting with the same problem and no miracle happened. And some of you sit exactly that place today. You've prayed, you've given it to God and you're standing at the place and you say, God, nothing is happening. And you're at this point of giving up. 
And if Satan can discourage you and tell you, you see, you prayed, you gave to God and nothing happened, he will discourage you to get you out of the plan that God has for you. But let me tell you today that it's at that very moment where you stand on the greatest brink of the greatest miracle of your life. But it takes a step of faith. The Bible says, now faith is. Amen. But we want everything to happen and for faith to come afterwards. But maybe your heart is being tested as to how you will respond to what God has placed in you. And so those disciples are wondering what's going on. Nothing's happened, no miracle. Jesus takes that which he has prayed for and he puts it back in the hands of the disciple. Please notice that the miracle did not happen out of Jesus' hand. It happened out of the hand of the disciples. Who are the disciples? You and I. Jesus was there to make sure the miracle happened, but the actual miracle happened out of the obedience of the disciples. So if you want a miracle, where is your obedience taking you to? If you're standing on the brink of something that God wants to do, what is God telling you to do? Because that's the place that most of the things in, of, that God has called you to do either get aborted, forgotten, or left behind. So He gives it to the disciples. They look at this small, insignificant thing in their hand. And they think, what can this do? God, why don't you just let bread fall from heaven? Now they're standing. John, what are you gonna do with this? And he's looking at it and he says, I don't know. And Thomas, who's the doubter, he's looking at it and he says, this is never gonna work. I told you we should never have done this. And Judas, was counting all the money, wondering why we were gonna spend eight months wages on giving these people bread. I mean, who are these people anyway? They're just disturbing our peace. And Philip is just thinking, this is a desperate state. But the command of Jesus is still the same. You give them something to eat. And that command of Jesus echoes in this church today. You feed the people spiritually in your city. It's your job to do it in your workplace. It's your job to do it in your schools and in your universities. Because God is looking for men and women who will trust Him with everything so that the spiritual breakthrough can come. So the disciples are looking at this. And I think Peter says to James, James, you see the boat over there? This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take this piece of bread and this piece of fish and I'm gonna run to one of those guys. I'm gonna throw it at him and then I'm gonna take off. I'll meet you at the boat and then we get out of here as fast as possible. Because they didn't believe that a miracle was about to happen. Maybe Andrew said, no chance, I'm not doing this. I'm gonna hold on 
to this bread and fish and see what happens. And you know what happens when you hold on to bread and fish? It becomes old and stale and fish stinks. And nobody likes to eat stinky fish. Is it true? And if you hold on to what God gives to you, it will dry up in your spirit. It will be no good to anybody. Or maybe one of the disciples said, no, I'm going to do it differently. This is crazy. This is not going to work. So I'm going to eat the bread and the fish myself. Now, I might have done that as well. I might have thought it's just going to be easier if I eat the bread, bread and fish and the, that's it. But you know what? If you do that, you eat your seed. You eat the seed of harvest that God has put into your spirit. And whether it be your finances, whether it be your gifting, whether it be whatever God has placed within your heart, if you do not give that to other people and you keep it just for yourself, you rob yourself of the miracle and the harvest of God. So many people sit and hold on to everything because they're so scared to lose it. Lord, give it in my bank account before I do this. God, give me this before I do that. Lord, I hear what you're telling me to do, but I don't have the resources. And you hold on to the little bit you have when that's the seed that needs to be sown for multiplication. Because that's the promise of God. The promise of God is not holding on to it. The promise of God is give and it shall be given. And we always relate that to finances, but give out of your heart, give of your time, give of your resources and it will be given. Good measure, shaken, pressed down together and running over. Isn't that what we want? Five of you. The rest of you, you don't want that? That's what we want because that's what the Christian life should be. We are called to multiply. We are called to be vessels. We are called to be vessels of the Holy Spirit, but we are called to be vessels to one another and to a lost and dying world. And if we don't do it, you rob yourself from the harvest. If you don't sow what you have, you rob yourself. If you don't pray for people for healing, you rob yourself of seeing miracles. People want to see signs, miracles and wonders. Oh, I want to see the signs, miracles and wonders. The Bible says it comes after the preaching of the Word. But no, we just want the miracles. We just want the power. But that all comes from a life that has been given to give what God has placed in your heart. And too many people stand there and they say, Lord, what you've given me is not enough. Maybe it's not enough in your eyes simply because you don't have the faith. The Bible says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, how big is a mustard seed? It's tiny. God is not asking your faith to be as big as your problem. God is asking you to sow what you have in order for your problem to be removed and your blessing to be remultiplied. So when did the miracle happen? The miracle happened when the disciples took that first step towards the impossible situation.
When will your miracle happen? Your miracle will only happen when you take that which God has placed in your heart and walk towards your impossible situation. Only then will that miracle happen. It's only as the disciples went and they gave the bread that the multiplication happened. I don't know how it happened. Maybe they gave one bread and and Peter said, man, did you see there's more bread in my hand? And he gave it again. Did you see there's more bread? And he gave and he gave because now he saw God answer prayer. How does God answer your prayer when you become active in doing what God has asked you to do? But sometimes we just want prayer for our, you know, our power on switch. Lord, please do this, do this, do this. And we're not prepared to move. Prayer is not a lucky charm. Prayer is releasing the power of God to change your situation, to increase your harvest. Prayer is there to change the spirit realm around us. So the miracle happens when the disciples step out and it'll be the same for you and me. But then something interesting happens. The Bible says that they all ate. I think that was the first all-you-can-eat buffet in the, in, in the world. Everybody ate. They could eat bread and fish or whatever until they were full. And I'm sure the disciples also ate. But while that was happening, the multiplication was still continuing. And at the end, Jesus says to the disciples, okay, go and pick up the rest. What was left over? 12 basketfuls for 12 disciples. Why? Because the moment you step out in obedience, while God is using you, He is always in the background providing for you. There's always abundance, but that abundance did not happen until the disciples stepped out. So while they were doing what God had told them to do and the miracle was happening, God in the background was preparing the abundance for them. And it will be no different for you. God will prepare your harvest of abundance, but you have to step out in obedience. And so we see there that as God tells them to pick it all up, each disciple had enough left over to continue. But let me ask you today, and I know I'm over my time already, what are you doing with the seed? What are you doing with the seed that God has put in your life? Are you holding on to it? Are you eating it? Are you consuming it? Or are you standing just at the brink of a miracle? And that's where you think, I don't have enough. You see, we look through the eyes sometimes of what we think is enough instead of looking through the eyes of what Jesus says is enough. So I wanna ask you today, I want everybody to stand, please. I wanna ask you today, ask yourself the question, what am I doing with the seed? Maybe you need to ask yourself the question, In what level of compassion do I flow in? Do I really have compassion of understanding? 
Do I really have compassion to see somebody who's a down and out and yet have the compassion to see them as a tool in the hands of God? Where do I see God move in my life? And maybe today you stand here and you need a miracle. Maybe you need a healing miracle. How many people are you praying for that are sick? Sow and you will reap. That works with everything. How many people are you praying for that are in difficult situations? Because when you face your difficult situation, then you can reap the harvest of prayer that you've already prayed for others. How many of you are you prepared to give your time to invest, to make disciples? Because the church is called to make disciples, not just members. So I wanna ask you to ask yourself, Lord, is there something that you need to change in my heart today? Ask yourself that question. Lord, is there something? Because time is gone, I'm gonna do it this way. I'm gonna ask you, if you this morning say, I need the Holy Spirit to touch me once again. I need the Word of God to become so alive in my spirit once again. I need to trust the Lord. I need to take the bread and the fish and I need to allow the multiplication in my life. If that's you today and you say, Holy Spirit, forgive me, but use me once again for the harvest, then quickly just raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. Wow. Father, today, I thank You that You see every hand. I thank You that You see every heart. I thank You, Lord, that You see every life in this place. And Lord, I thank You that You use every person just as You use the disciples. And so I pray for every person today that stands here with their hands raised that acknowledge by your Holy Spirit that change needs to happen in their lives. Father, as they acknowledge it today, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a Holy Spirit and that you are a faithful Spirit and that, Lord, you reach down and you touch their hearts today and that you change them. We give you the right, Holy Spirit, to change our lives today to make us more effective, not for ourselves, but that the Kingdom of God be established and built. That our lives would make disciples of others. That others might look at us and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, I pray for those today that have eaten their seed. Lord, I pray that You once again in Your love and Your mercy that You would give them again something that they can multiply with. Lord, I pray for those of us that have forgotten what compassion is all about and that we've become so busy with everyday, our everyday life that we've forgotten that the heart of God is what moves Jesus. That we've forgotten that it was the compassion of a lost and dying world that put our Jesus on a cross. 
Father, I pray that if we need a touch of compassion, that You touch our hearts today. That You remove that pride and that selflessness and that selfishness in us and replace it with a heart that is pure of love for our lost and dying world. Father, I pray as Your presence is here, Holy Spirit, that You move among Your people and that You restore again to them the vision of what it is to be Christ-like, of what it is to be Christian, that give us a fresh revelation of that, Lord, that from this day, our lives and our journeys in You will be transformed because we wanna give You the honour and the glory. And so Lord, I pray that this Word would continue to minister deep into their hearts as they go on their way today. I pray that You be the after preacher of this message. Father, for the sake of lives and souls to be saved in Jesus' Name. And so Lord, I thank You for that today. We give You all the honour and the praise and the glory. And we bless You and we thank You in Jesus' Name. Now you just begin quickly to thank the Lord. Say, Lord, thank You for restoring. Thank You for restoring that. Thank You for restoring that in Jesus' Name. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.